Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Before Izzy shot off this morning, we were talking about Argentina and what it's like playing the Pumas. And I was very curious because he did it. I haven't, obviously. I wanted to know, what was it like playing Argentina in the blue and white? Um, Mate... They were so, they were always tough. They were always tough to play, and, and the reason they were tough is they were so passionate. They were so passionate. They were so emo- like you, they're an emotional country. They they play on emotions. They they love their country. They love what they're about. They love where they're from. So they just are very passionate side. And every time we played, that we knew the beast that we were coming up against. We knew a, a team that if you give them an inch, they will take a mile. They will absolutely take it with everything they've got. They are. Uh, they can play rugby, and we saw that last year when they beat the beat the All Blacks. And I was ever having a fascinating chat with Sam Whitlock. Um, later on the show, you'll hear that that chat. But just speaking to him about that game, and, and probably they underestimated the beast that was uh, that is Argentina. Um, you know, they probably thought they had, they probably thought they were playing a, a nation that they probably didn't have a, a whole lot of respect for. And when he spoke about um, you know, like trying to play a bit more in that first um, half of the game, trying to play too much. The All Blacks really played a bit too much and played into their hands. So my, my uh, you know, my lessons and my experiences from playing the Argentine inside is like, you just have to get on top of them early. I know it's as cliche as it is, we've got to start well, but you actually have to. The more opportunities, the more reasons you give Argentina an opportunity to get in the game, get confidence in what they're about, uh, get their offload game flowing. Um, they're just so hard to beat. And the only way you can stop Argentina from doing that and and only way you can stop people that are very passionate and then play on a lot of emotions is you've got to hit them on the nose early and you've got to hit them on the nose and make it hurt because that just makes them kind of go back into their showers and trying to second-guess what they're, they're actually doing. If you give them an opportunity to get that passion out, get that offload game going, they will be hard to beat. We saw that last year when they beat the All Blacks for the first time. So, look, you've got to get on top of them early. It's going to take a full 80 minutes. They will will not stop playing. 
Yeah, smack them on the nose. It sounds like is his punting strategy. I don't know if he's confusing that with uh, how it is like what it's like to play Argentina, but that's a great account because they play with flair, they play with passion, and uh, once they get their tails up, like we saw last year. And without any further ado, he's the coach of the Kolkata Knight Riders, but more importantly to us here at SCNZ, he's the co-host of the Breakfast Show, and he is live into it now. Morning, Baz. How you doing, man? Good morning, Louis. Sorry about a few technical difficulties way over here in the UAE. How you doing flying solo, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm going good. I was about to turn this into like a Marcus Lush talkback shift. I, was, I didn't know what was going on, but I'm glad you're here, brother. How are you? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Have you have you dished out your tip yet? That's the only thing everyone's interested in, surely. No. Have I, you dished that out yet? I, I yesterday I made a very strong push for entrevue, and I have a little bit something something later on in the show. But I learned from the best, mate. You got to tease it out. It's the last thing you got to do, right? <laughs> That's right. What about the fact you got to follow your money as well on the show? Do you see rhinoceros get up? Yeah. The other day. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it won well as well with a leg in the year, really. A beautiful ride from Jordan Childs. Are you punting over there? How can you do that? Uh, I, I am, but it's not t- technically legal, so we should probably move ah. that conversation <laughs> on as quickly as we can. <laughs> Just move that one on. Okay, to what, what we can talk about. I, I really, I toyed with the fact, Baz, that I was going to introduce you as the Kolkata Knight Riders coach, and um, I just thought, okay, I won't do that. That's a bit insulting while I'm in the big chair, but you are the Kolkata Knight Riders coach. That's what you're doing over there. So what what is the kind of weather and track conditions? You're in a hotel. T- talk to us about the situation you find yourself in. Um, well, uh, yeah, I am the KKR coach. Um, we're currently towards the back end of the of the uh, standings in terms of the, the tournament, but that's okay. We've got a handful of horse and we're just ready to kick. So hopefully, um, hopefully we can we can sort of get things together in, in the second half second half of the tournament. For now, I'm just um, I'm doing uh, quarantine. There's actually no UA, uh, no quarantine in UAE. It's um, it's uh, IPL enforced quarantine, so there's six days here. So just hold up in the hotel here in um, Abu Dhabi and, yeah, just sort of trying to chat to the coaches who are on the outside there and, and a few of the players and, and sort of piece together a couple of things so that we uh, we head into the tournament giving ourselves best chance, Louis. Yeah, that's awesome. So it is, as you and Flem talked about a lot, and Flem kept reminding you, you are way, way down in the, the standings, but you keep saying it. You think you guys are ready to kick. What gives you that impression? Like, what was it when you left off um, when the tournament got shut down that made you think you were kind of poised and just starting to find a bit of rhythm? Uh, well, you have to say things like that as well. So. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> No, look, we we're pretty honest with ourselves um, at the back end of of that. Um, it's quite a unique tournament because we're obviously um, the tournament was being played in India. Um, we were seven games through out of fourteen, um, and then COVID obviously um, hit not just over there, and it was rampant, and, and things were um, far bigger than a cricket tournament. Um, but it also leaked into into the bubbles that um, that we were operating at throughout the tournament. So once that happened, um, you know, the BCCI and, and the IPL were left with no other option other than to um, postpone the tournament. So from our point of view, it probably came at a pretty good time. We'd won two out of seven games. That certainly wasn't our focus at the time. Um, it was more on making sure that the guys in our environment, their loved ones who 
had been directly affected as well by COVID and also we had four cases within our team bus, including Tim Seifert, which um, became pretty public not that long after and, and the um, you know, the impact on, on Tim was plain for everyone to see as well. Um, the emotional toll that it took on him and and, uh, and those around him as well. So, look, it was it directly affected our side. Um, so from a performance point of view, from a coach's point of view, the only thing you really worry about in times like that is is the health of of your your players and, and those um, their family. Um, now that we've had the benefit of time, uh, we're able to sit there and say, right, what do we need to do to be able to get ourselves back in this tournament knowing that we've got a bit of a mountain to climb and and you look at that with um, with quite a philosophical sort of stance, you know. There's some things which we we didn't do very well um, on the field last time, which we can definitely rectify. Um, and one of those is that we need to just be a little bit braver with bat in hand. And Flem, when he was on our show the other day, he was a little bit sort of uh, jokey about it, but he was spot on too. He said it makes us dangerous now, and, and we should embrace that. We should embrace the fact that, we need to win five out of our seven games, um, so we, we've got to throw caution into the wind and um, and be prepared to do things a little bit differently, and, and that's the message which I'll be trying to impart to um, to all of our squad and, and making sure that our leaders try and, try and get that to permeate through our side as well, is be brave and, and take the game on. I don't think they could find a better coach anywhere in the world to kind of empower that then, mate. I know that is something you hugely believe in. Double eight, double three. We've got Baz on the show. This is Baz's show. You want to talk to Baz? Damo. I know you've been itching around, mate. You've been absolutely missing uh, Baz. So flick us a text. Any questions for Baz about his trip or just the goings-on of the week? Have you observed anything, mate? I've got a list of things I want to pick your brain about, but anything over the news cycle of the last wee while that has caught your curiosity? Well, obviously, Izzy's gone in for surgery, first and foremost. That's a bloody big deal for us. Uh, Poor old Iz Master, the quiz master. Who's doing the who's doing the quizzy dag today? Are he, you doing that as well? No, he... So Chef, he, cook, and bottle washer. <laughs> Louis Herman Watt. <laughs> no, he actually was here for the first hour. So he, I just watched him pick his crutches up and hobble off camera about uh, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and, oh. and he's gone and Daisy's driving him in. Can you imagine poor Daisy right now? She's got two kids, a golden retriever puppy, and Izzy on one leg. Poor Daisy. Poor Daisy. Poor Izzy as well. Gee, it's terrible timing for such an injury. But um, I spoke to him last night. He was pretty upbeat and... Yeah, he, he he was talking about the impact that morphine might have on him on the show. So I'm not sure how long the surgery was to go for. But, you know, if you are struggling in the back end of, of today, no. you could always give him a call and get some <laughs> real gold out of the Isfaster. All right. Well, we'd have to make sure we were in like a 10-minute delay. Um, and then if we're gonna <laughs> that do dump that. button might come, in the, might come into play. Mate, we almost had to use it this week. We had Corey Jane on, and I wish you were here. Those two, some of the filthy stories we heard out of those two. Everyone can go listen to the podcast and the SCNZ app or where they get your podcast to hear Corey Jane. That was hilarious. Hey, Baz, just on racing, because I know it's probably what you want to talk about, I want to talk to you about it as well, because Tabata, your favourite, your stakes-winning Philly, now Mir, um, to Bartle. She's five. She was a Mir when she won, wasn't she? She is lining up, coming back from a spell tomorrow in a rating 75 at Tarapa in race five. And you've also got shares in Defibrillate, which goes around in the last at Flemington. So a big weekend for you. Yeah, it is. Well, first first of all, we're not we're not sure about whether Tabata will start. Depends on the track and depends on how the weather's, the weather's pulling up. 
um, with the extra kilo being afforded to jockeys as well. She's not an overly big mare, so we don't want to um, first first start in a campaign, which we've got pretty high hopes for. Um, Greg Tomlinson also now owns a share in um, Tabata from the Arco start, and um, and we don't want to we don't want to flatten her first up. You know, we've got big ambitions for her, so we want to um, we want to give her every chance. So we'll see how the track pulls up, and Marshall make whatever call he feels is right. Um, if she does start, then then um, then look forward to seeing her go around. You know, um, she's been just a a fantastic mare for us as a family. Um, She's given us a great amount of joy, and and hopefully, you know, this this campaign, if she can come up again, then um, we're going to have some more fun. If not, well, there's a breeding shed not far away in the Waikato, which she'll find herself in, and I'm sure she'll be a wonderful broodmare. Um, as as um, as for Defibrillate, um, Graham Richardson got us into that horse. He's my neighbour there in in Matamata. Um, he bred Defibrillate, and wow, well, what a star he's been! You know, he's a uh, there's a small group of owners who who share in him, and he's just been a wonderful horse. So, again, there's big ambitions for whether it's this weekend or not. I'm sure he'll go out at long odds this weekend, but there's some big targets on the horizon for him as well. So, But it's pretty cool, mate, just to have horses starting to get back into the flow of things and at this time of year. Um, that's what that's what you're in the game for, right? Um, some, some pretty awesome race meetings coming up, and it's nice to have some live chances in those, Louis. Yeah, definitely. Well, defibrillate goes I sort up. I again- feel like I'm half being interviewed here, and and I know that's kind of the you know I'm a long way away. You know, I sort of just don't want to. Oh. I don't want to. I don't want to be too wanky as a uh, as an interviewer. Oh, g- a, give us an interviewee. opinion then, mate. Tell us. Tell us how you really feel. Give us. Oh, oh hands the car. You can have the car keys. Off you go. No, seriously. What about the um with the, the MIQ situation? I actually wanted to let you kind of wind up on this one because. More athletes have come out saying we need to do something, and I know you were passionate about it before you went off, and now you're away from home. So th- this isn't an interview. I'm just genuinely curious. What do you think about it, and how are you? Um, yeah, just the floor is yours on that. Now you're away from home. Like, is it kind of drum? Does it drilled in even further, or what do you think? Yeah, no, I was just taking the piss, mate. Don't worry. Um, yeah, look, uh, the MIQ situations. It's a delicate one because. Is obviously you don't want to. You, you make your decision to to leave New Zealand, right? Um, that is that is ultimately what it comes down to. Is you you know the 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 risks involved in it, um, but I'm not sure that should necessarily be the case. Um, look, I think the the comment the other day around um, on Smitty's show um, around. The fact that for the first year, all people, all sports people and, and those around them kind of sucked it up around COVID and just said, you know what, things aren't what they used to be. We can't travel. We just got to deal with it. I guess now, um, you know, you, you have to travel to earn money. That's, otherwise, you choose a different career. Um, I'm fortunate that, that I have the opportunity to do a few jobs, but one of those jobs which I've had now for a couple of years, which I'm – for want to continue to do in the foreseeable future is, is as a coach on the international stage and so therefore you have to travel and other people don't necessarily understand the plight that you're in when it comes to your own country and, and the challenges around it. Um, I just can't quite work it out in my own head that that you can't get back into your own country. So whatever money you earn abroad, um, which you pay tax on, which 
your own country doesn't have unless you are you do head overseas and earn. Um, so you pay tax in your own country, but you actually can't get back into your own country. I don't quite understand that. Um, maybe you sh- maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't have to worry about paying that tax if you can't get back, and then everyone's comfortable with that. I'm not really sure. The other aspect is what happens if your visa abroad <laughs> abroad um, becomes expired. You know, my visa, for instance, here in the UAE is up until mid-October. You know, I don't have an MIQ voucher to get home because the system's not open yet. Um, what do you do? You become an overstayer in, in a foreign country and you break the law. Like, what? I don't quite understand sort of... And, and you can't get these answers, Louis. I guess that's yeah, the, yeah. one of the big things. You, you literally cannot get the answers and try as you might. And I've, I've been around uh, long enough now, I guess, to be able to have some, some reasonable... Um, contacts in, in New Zealand sport and, and even the New Zealand government and and no one can give you an answer, mate. And I, I feel for all those around the globe who are stuck abroad, who are looking for answers, who I'm fortunate enough as well that I, I you know, it's sort of, um, I have an Australian wife, so if I, if I really had to, I could get back to Australia, you know. Um, but that's not the idea. That's not how it should be and... 2021, you should be able to get back into your own country, bringing money, which, oh, look, I don't know. I don't want to be that guy, you know, but it, it is incredibly frustrating and um, I've, worked very, I've worked very hard to be able to get an opportunity, which is probably in the top five coaching opportunities in world world cricket, um, coaching Kolkata Knight Riders with a fan base of 25 plus million. Um, and being the head coach, I've worked hard to get in that position and get in that role. And and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to give it up just because I wasn't allowed to get back into my own country at this time. Um, I guess I, I've left, and I'm hoping that something will unfold where where you are are able to jump on a plane and get home at some stage well before Christmas, but. Let's see. It's not an ideal situation for any anyone. Yeah, no, no, mate. I don't think anyone thinks you're whinging it. It's just a very interesting perspective of someone that is abroad. Hey, Baz, there's a text here. Let's. This is a bit of a cheerier note. Well, it might not be to get you out on. Jamie wants to know on double eight double three. Did you see the Geordie Barrett red card and what do you think of it? So just quickly, mate. What, what did you see about? What did you see and what do you think? Well, I thought it was rubbish. Actually, uh, well, if he was going to get if he was going to get a red card, why didn't? Um, there should have been a red card earlier on from Brody Retallick when he sort of rubbed his cleats across the face of Michael Hooper as well. Yeah. Incidentally, at the, I think it was just a little bit weak. Wasn't it? What did what did Izzy say? You tell me what Izzy said. Izzy thought it was rubbish. Izzy was bang on. He said that's not a red card, and um, he said pretty much said that that was that. And uh, look, that went to the judiciary, and that was that. John's text Baz for PM Baz. It's late where you are, and you've got to get your sleep because you've got a big job to do. But we'll catch up with you again real soon, eh? Because look, you're going to have some fascinating stories and rubbing shoulders with some interesting people. So we'll catch up again next week if we can, man. Sounds good, brother. All right, mate. Take care. All the best to Izzy too. I'll send him a message shortly and hope he. Hope the surgery goes well. We love him. Yeah, we do. Baz McCullum out of the UAE. Well, it's time for a McCafe coffee catch-up. Well, great news for rugby fans. So Not so much for Sam's young family. I know he'll miss them dearly, but Sam Whitelock will be jetting off to link up with the All Blacks for the upcoming rugby championship in Brisbane. Before then, he has to do a two-week MIQ in isolation. Sammy. 
thanks for joining us, mate. Let's let's talk about this two weeks in isolation. Is it actually full noise isolation? Yeah, uh, good to be on, Daggy. I know you've been pestering me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I've been <laughs> who's this kind of things, but yeah, yeah. Um, to answer your question, mate, yeah, we're gonna have uh, I'm gonna have two weeks uh, MIQ at this stage, hard lockdown, so it's gonna be a challenge in itself. Um, just make sure that I, I, you know, can stay as fit as I can, get as ready as I can. So when I do get out, I'm not uh, on the back foot. So um, I'm sure Gilly, the trainer, has got a, a lot in store for me. I'm sure he'll have a couple of those horrific sessions that you and I um, absolutely love. Um, so there'll be a few down-ups and a bit of crawling in the, in the hotel room. Yeah, so so is that what so he'll drop in all the equipment so you've got everything you, you need during through because reality is you're going to come out of two weeks and you're pretty much into a South African game. Like you got to keep the train up contact wise. How are you going to be able to do that, mate? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to have to run into the wall or something. <laughs> it might be funny if uh, the neighbours like what's going on next door, but um, like I've been doing some contact here um, since we've dropped levels. So went in and tackled a few of the Canterbury boys and. Um, wrestled around with a few of the big props. So I'm actually in a pretty good spot now. Like if I had to play this week, I think I, I could do that. Um, but it's just been allowed to get into the country. And obviously COVID's throwing curveballs left, right and centre. And, and that's just the way the world is now. So you just got to deal with it. Yeah, nice. Hey, uh, we've got to touch on it, mate. You've just had baby number three, little Penny. How's the family, mate? Hands all good and, and good to be home and spend some time with them before you jet off, eh? Yeah, Penelope came a couple of days early, so uh, through a bit of a spanner in the works, I had a whole lot of jobs I was meant to do for Hannah. Um, so I'll have to get you, Dagger. You're pretty handy around me. <laughs> Trim the hedges and a few things like that. Um, but no, it's it's great. It's uh, Anyone that's a, a father knows how special it is. Uh, so Fred's four and a half, Iris is two and a half, and Penelope was born on the 29th, so it's, it's pretty cool. That's us. We're, we're probably not going to have any more, so it's nice to know that. For us as a family, that this is what it is, and um, the two older kids just love Penelope to pieces. Iris is taking a little bit of time to adjust. She's yeah, and as the middle child always seems to seems to be. Um, but no, pretty awesome. It's, it's pretty cool when you get to have those cuddles and that. So I'm sure you'll be around at some stage, Daggy, and uh, you'll be eating all the the bacon, <laughs> you know, just enjoying yourself. But you got to look after that leg of yours too, mate. Oh my man, I can't believe it. I was actually going to say that, like, I'm here sitting in a cast. We actually started our career together. We made our debuts together against Ireland. Mate, you're still going. You're still going. You're an absolute, and you don't look like you're slowing down anytime soon. So what is the magic formula, mate? And how many more years can Sammy Whitelock go? I feel you can go for another eternity. No, I'd I'd love to say that's the case, but um, definitely... You know, still enjoying the rugby and um, been pretty pretty hard at with looking after myself. And you used to always give me a bit of stick about putting, um, you know, recovery tights on after and trying to drink less beers and more water and things like that, which uh, you always found pretty tough. But, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot. But at the same time, you know, you're on the wrong side of 30. So you just got to, if anything, look after it a little bit more. And when you know it's done, you got to walk away and, uh, like I think that's always going to be hard, no matter you know where you get to in your your sporting career, whether you you know play provincial, Super Rugby, or international, it's uh, it's never going to be nice walking away. But 
uh, I think when that time does come, mm. you'll look back at your career and go, man, this ride's been pretty awesome so far. Mate, well, I just touched on it, and I, I just said you, you're getting better with age. You ain't slowing down. You've pretty much done everything possible a rugby player can achieve and can do in his career. So what drives you? What, what keeps you going, brother? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one, that one. Um, you know, I've had a, a pretty awesome career so far, and I think when I am retired, sitting in the Hawke's Bay, and uh, people like yourself come and visit and think, <laughs> uh, time to actually sit back and reflect on how impressive and how cool a lot of things have been. Um, for myself at the moment, as any rugby player knows, it's the next week you finish one big thing and you're straight into the next one. There's not a lot of downtime between uh, teams, tournaments, um, things like that. So I think that's when a lot of that stuff will kick in around how cool, cool it has been. And um, talking to a few of the younger boys you know, like I am a little bit older now. Um, I think Jonah played one year. I think <laughs> like Daggy, I know you played that year. So when you say that to some of the younger boys, they're like, oh, this is, you know, quite right. You, you must be pretty old. And then uh, you hear of guys being born in the year 2000. And you're going, well, I'm born in 88. Got at least 12 years on you. <laughs> but you, you just seem to amaze me, and and I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. You, you, your pockets are full because you are so tight. You're about as tight as they come. You never shout anything. So I'm not surprised that you're able to buy the biggest farm in Hawke's Bay, and also another six farms on time, mate. But that's what you want to do post rugby. You want to go back to the farm and get into the farming. Oh, the cheek of the man! <laughs> buys any drinks, buys all the drinks at the start, and goes home early, but. No, we definitely go farming. Um, so we've got a, a place in Hawke's Bay that we can't wait to get up there um, and just do something a little bit different. Like, obviously, the rugby is, is crazy at the moment and still really enjoying it. And it does have its challenges now, especially with uh, three on the ground. Um, but the farm's not going in. So if we can get up there in the next five years or so and um, get in amongst the community, the community's been awesome. Um Every time we've been up there, whether it's been for a day or two or spending a few weeks up there, they've been really inviting and um, really nice people. So I'm sure there'll be uh, a young Israel Dag up there somewhere. I was thinking about it when uh, you're trying to set up the score. It's like, I wonder what Izzy's going to bring up. And I thought, shit, I might have to get in with a story before Izzy you know, has all those free shots. And I, I think back to my first test match and Izzy was pretty confident. You know, He'd been named to start. He named made the squad initially where I actually missed selection and pulled in for injury cover. And then, long story short, um, managed to play, you know, get on the bench. Uh, for some reason, I'm not sure why, I managed to score a couple of tries. And CJ and Izzy went up to me as I scored, you know, I'm pumped up, this is awesome, first thing ever. And Izzy and CJ run up and they're just giving me shit about my, uh, about my monobrow. So, um, you know, that's <laughs> bring up, but I thought I'd get into him first. Man. Hey, so yeah, you are lying. <laughs> we did not come up to you and say that, did we? I can't remember that. Hey, CJ, I'm pretty sure you were jumping over CJ too. So uh, it's funny how you get to know some people through you know challenges that we have. You know, we got to, like you said, play our first game together. So. 
pretty cool that um you know got to know each other and families and, and wives and kids and that now and i do know that fred uh at a christmas party so maybe you need that dagger with him mate Mate, I'll, I'll I'll confirm that. Little Fred Whitelock, you watch that name. You watch that kid growing up. I watched them absolutely smash my son, Cody's son, everyone's kids at this party. He was on fire. He's got speed to burn as well, so I don't know where that's come from. But anyway, he is an absolute animal. So looking forward to watching Freddie grow up, mate. And look, I was only jealous. I was only jealous because you come on for 20 minutes, we've done all the hard work, and you got two absolute meat pies in that game against Ireland. I was only jealous, man. Nah, it's funny because I think you said to me afterwards, I'm going to score more over your career, and I think I've scored probably three since that, so my strike rate's not that good. <laughs> got two on debut, so I can't complain with that too much. Mate, <laughs> right, you're an absolute champ. I'm not surprised you're still going. You, you were born for this top-level rugby. You're leading the way, most capped. Lock of all time. But, mate, just got to get into a couple of rugby questions before we let you go. Um, pretty clinical performance on the weekend on Sunday, especially uh, for the All Blacks against the Wallabies. What were your takeaways from that game, mate? Yeah, it's um, it's always hard sitting and watching the kids jumping on you. But the thing I was really impressed with was um, just probably the type five. The type five, you know, did a lot of hard work there. I thought uh, Brody and, and Scooter had, a, had an awesome game. And then that allowed everyone else to play. Like I thought Akira was, was awesome, but the reason he was awesome is those other big boys had massive work rates and it just allowed Akira to to probably play the game that he, you know, can play and, and it really suited him. And it, it's it's really nice to see him hitting some really good form and that'd be uh, what the coaches are uh, after with um, the Argentinian tests coming up. Another thing I, I was really happy with is, you know, the, the red card is is never nice. And I think it's the first time the All Blacks have managed to get the win while there's been a red card. So you could see the boys out there and you'd see the communication and they were working things out as they went, which was which is nice to see rather than something like that happen can actually derail the whole team. But I thought the leaders stood up, you know, Artie and, and Coates being taken off too for HIAs. You could see Brody. Um, Bodie, um, Anton Leonard Brown, guys like that just really stepping into those roles and, and taking control. So really, really cool to see that um, while you're sitting at home on the couch. Nice, mate. Nice, mate. And Adi Savia, captain the side as well. Did you have any conversations with him during the week and you know, just gave him a few tips or was it just let him be and let him do his own little little thing within the leadership environment? Yeah. Uh, Fozzie talked to me beforehand, so I actually knew before Adi and Ozzy to kind of give you the, you know, I've told him he, he's he's keen to do it. And as soon as uh, it got announced, obviously just sent Adi a message and just said how proud and how awesome it is to, to be the leader. And um, the main thing I said to him is, look, just trust yourself and go out there and, and play well. And that's the best advice I had ever been given as a rugby player is, whether you're calling lineouts or a leader or a senior player or a captain, is the first thing you would do is play well. Um, there's nothing worse than the guy that's out there uh, trying to say and do everything but not actually doing anything quite um, up to the standard that's expected. So it was really easy for Artie to go out there and, and play well, and I thought he was playing really well. He was playing physical before uh, before he came off. So really nice that um, you know, even though he would have loved to have been out there for the full 80, um, the first part of it, he was doing exactly what was expected of him. 
yeah, nice, mate. I've been captain by yourself, and your words couldn't, uh, you know, be spot on as they come. You're an, you're an absolute champion. You walk the talk. But what I loved about you is you are still easily approachable. You got on with anyone, and everyone had a connection and a bit of time for you, mate. So you're an ultimate bloke. And I know you'll be taking the reins back when you get over there. But before I let you go, I've got two questions. Argentina this Sunday. Uh, this Sunday. What's that going to be shaping like? And, and will they have to change things tactically to place the Argentinian side who you'll face many, many times? I'll get into your question in a minute. Hannah's just here out of, out of shot. Yeah. Just you being nice and saying nice things. She's like, what's this? What's this? Got- <laughs> Hannah, I am nice. <laughs> uh, your question, mate. Um, I think the main thing with RG, and it, it doesn't actually matter who you play, as long as you get... The, the game right, um, execution of what what we're trying to do is All Blacks, um, and then your mindset. If you get your mindset where it needs to be, um, you know, nine times out of ten, you, you put yourself in, in a good spot to, to have the right result. And I think, like, the things that have shown over the last 18 months to, to two years is, you know, the discipline is critical, um, and I'm not meaning just penalties, I'm meaning the discipline of Playing in within, within the shape and playing what's in front allows the team to express themselves and all of a sudden you get players to go out there and they're playing their natural game and they're putting opposition under pressure. So I think that discipline of trusting your instincts is, is always something that um, you need to do against a, a great side like Argentina. But you've got to do that every week as well. Um, but Argentina have shown... Like last year, they, they played really well against us in the first one, and it took us a, a long time in the second test. We played them to break them down. And I just think that the difference in the two tests is the first one, we probably shut up shop a little bit and we didn't play enough. Um, and the second one, we probably fell into the, the trap of not playing, uh, probably playing too much at the start. But mm. the the beauty of, of test match rugby, you kind of have to work it out on the run and um, it's great having the, the coaches and the management there, but sometimes you just got to work that out as players on the field. Nice, mate. Nice, mate. Well, just before I go, I know you love filling your pockets and you love to, you'd love to buy a new farm somewhere. Oh, World that's... 12s, mate. World 12s. If, if Steve Hansen come up to you and said, hey, Sammy, I've got a million bucks for two, uh, for eight weeks. You keen, would you? Yeah, I didn't actually know anything about it until the other day. I, was it last night when uh, it must have been on the news? And... Um, yeah, I was at Rugby Park today doing some doing some gym, and the, the boys were talking about it. And I think it's the same as anything. You definitely look at it, um, working out what it looks like, where it fits in the calendar, all those things. I'm pretty sure you love the, the coin more than me, so you'd be out of retirement pretty quickly, mate. Get that leg sorted, get your operation done tomorrow, and you'd be sweet. <laughs> no, mate, no, mate, not me. Only only opportunity I'm going to do is coaching, but and and well, I don't love the game that much, so I won't be doing that anyway. We'll move on. We'll move on. Hey, mate, I want to appreciate. I just want to say thank you for your time, Sammy. I know you're a busy man. You got three kids. Hannah will be just waiting for you to hang up this phone so you can go change a nappy. So I'll let you go, bud. Thanks so much for your time. Travel safe and good luck for the next couple of months. And if you need anything done, bud, you know who to call. I'm handy as they come, bud. Daisy will do well, mate. Thanks. Uh, thanks. And hopefully be on at some stage in the future too. Get you to, you know, have a bit more of a swing rather than just the old straight back like you normally do. <laughs> thanks, mate. Cheers, mate.
this weekend. Wow, we have got an absolute rip snorter. It is proper spring racing in uh, Australia and certainly down there in Melbourne because they've got the Maccabi Diva Stakes, the Group 1 race, and it is stacked with chances. And, of course, across the day, I think you're probably going to see some horses race that will go on to have amazing careers. Ayrton is on the cards, and so is a colt called Artorius. And our next guest knows all about that. Brad Taylor is the racing manager at Friedman Racing. He's a great Kiwi, and he joins us on the line now as we do our Waikato Stud Racing Preview for the weekend. Morning, Brad. Hey, Louie. How are you? Oh, I'm great, mate. It's awesome to have you on the show. Look, I, I, I watch from afar and see what you do over there, and I think you're a, an awesome Kiwi doing good things, so it's great to catch up. Yeah, always good to chat. Beautiful. So it's a big weekend. Does it really feel like when these big Group 1 days come across that come over that it is spring is truly here, and, and that's kind of like racing such a part of Australian culture, right? So it almost is a change of the season. Yeah, it certainly gets very exciting at this time of the year. You know, it starts for a big start of June you get the good horses back into the stable and it gets all very exciting you know through the depths of winter where it's just about as cold as New Zealand over here it's um you know it feels like it drags on but once you sort of get to the last weekend of August where those good horses start to step out it um, gets very exciting and the, the excitement only builds over the over the next month or so until we get to the big big races and um no, it's a, it's a good day Saturday and, and certainly um we've got some nice chances so it's all very exciting. Absolutely, and, and look, this this spot here is uh, brought to us by Waikato Stud, your source for a racehorse, and, and they've got Aegon that goes around in the Group 1. You guys don't have anything, I don't think, in the Group 1, but you've got some absolute astounding horse flesh on display. I'm uh, really curious to hear your opinion on Artorius, because in Race 2, I mean, he, he just looks special. This colt looks special. He didn't quite flash home and win, although the track condition probably playing against him or track pattern playing against him last start. But can you tell us about this flying arty colt and how exciting he is to have in the barn? Yeah, he is very exciting. He's a, a very talented horse. He's um, albeit he's still very green. Uh, you saw the other day when the, the horses come out underneath him, he still wants to run away from them and, and do a few things wrong. But um, certainly tomorrow getting to getting to Flemington and, and stepping up to the 1400, you don't have to go back and watch his win at Sandown over 1300, that he's going to appreciate the 1400, so we're, you know, the big spacious track of Flemington certainly going to suit him, probably better than Caulfield, you know, he has won a group one at Caulfield, but um, the long straight here at Flemington certainly going to suit him better, he takes a while to warm up, and once he gets going, he's got a, a pretty lethal um, finish on him, so uh, we're certainly excited, um, you know, he has to obviously carry a, a bit of a weight penalty having been a Group 1 winner, but um, he deserves it. And, um, yeah, he should be very hard to beat tomorrow. Yeah, you'd think so. Dollar seventy or thereabouts, so he's shortened. And I can't believe they opened him close to about $2.50, which is kind of insane money if you think about what he did last start, what he's done in his junior year. Um, when you get a colt this exciting, it comes with pressure. So as a racing manager, how do you block that out? Or as a stable in general, I mean, I'm sure you've done more interviews on Artorias than you would just any other horse. And I, there comes a, does the pressure come? I guess that's the question, Brad. Oh, probably not more for me. They're pretty, my part of the job, you know, the race, picking the races out and that sort of thing are pretty straightforward for these sorts of cults. It's probably more on Sam and Anthony's head having them, you know, spot on for the day. But Anthony's been doing it for a number of years and he, he, he doesn't feel the pressure too much having trained a lot of good horses over his time. So um, I'm probably in a very lucky position to, to you know, be, be led by Anthony and, and he doesn't feel the pressure. So that sort of rubs off on the team. But, um, 
it's, it's more exciting for everyone. You know, it's easy to get out of bed and you're, you're looking at these horses and um, looking after them. And, um, you know, we, we get up at some stupid hours, but um, it's all worth it when you when the big races. Yeah, that's right. It's just like us, mate. We get up at these stupid hours, but when we get the big guests on, it's um, it's all worth it. So it's very, very similar. And look, you've got a few different juveniles. I, I saw Argentia. Um, she she came up a bit lame, but uh, Zuzarella, the Cambridge stud filly. She look last weekend, or was it the weekend before? That feels like a million mile, a million years ago. No, it was last Friday. Uh, I tipped her out for a place. And I got absolute assholes from Baz and Izzy because they were like, come on, mate, don't be weak. Take her the win. I thought the place was good money at about $2.70. She got the drifts again, but then she just turned up and, and showed a clean pair of heels. How exciting is the Cambridge stud filly, and why does she keep drifting, Brad? Oh, there was a lot of chat about our other filly, uh, Argentia. She's she's very good, but um, we worked them on Tuesday morning, not together, but the same rider rode them, and he, he couldn't really split them. We did have a slight concern about um, Zuzarella just at the 1,200 again, but um, we thought she might be just looking for the 1,400 second up, but she wasn't. She she sprinted really well, and um, she's certainly a top-class filly, and, and she's going to take a power of beating in the 1,000 guineas. Um, you know, She's going to run again in, in two weeks' time at Sandown, step up to the 14, pretty much like a tourist. She's really looking for that 1,400 now. She looks like a... She looks, she's a big, rangy sort of filly that's going to appreciate the step up to a mile when she gets there, so... Um, it's all very exciting with her, and um, you know she's she's the filly to beat now. Obviously, Agentia is now out of the spring, so um, yeah, it, it's probably to be fair to the to her. The, the, it's not a probably a vintage crop of three-year-olds over here in Australia this year. Um, there's no real, you know, she's been the standout filly, and behind that, it's sort of just an even bunch. So um, if she can just continue to take the right steps over the, sort of the next four weeks towards a thousand guineas, she's going to be very hard to beat in a race like that. Hey, Brad, before we let you go, we've spoken a lot about the racing industry in New Zealand of late because we couldn't get up racing. Level 4 was too restrictive. It still is up in Auckland, so we won't see racing here until we move down the alert levels. You know about us, and, and of course, your, your partner Jane as well does a superb job on racing.com. You guys are great Kiwis, but you've been in the Melbourne and Australian racing industry for a while now. Are there, look, I guess... Are there major differences on towards the attitude to racing in Australian society? Do you feel like is it just a different level of how much they consider it part of sport and culture? Yeah, I, I, I guess punting's not frowned upon over here. You know, you get people that sort of the TABs in New Zealand sort of that sort of um, how do I explain it? People are frowned upon going into a place like that. Whereas over here, you, you know, everyone has a quaddy on a Sunday, a Saturday afternoon, like. Quite often I go to the local footy on a Saturday afternoon at halftime of the footy, everyone brings, has the form guide in their back pocket, brings it out and is going on their phone putting a, a quaddy on while the second half's on. So, you know, it's a very popular thing. You know, now sports better brought, brought out sort of a bit with mates groups and God, there's thousands of groups of people just punting all together. I know like I'm in five or six with mates and, you know, everyone's part of it. Everyone wants to have a bit on a sad day and, and, and loves it, whereas probably it doesn't have that uh, following in New Zealand. Um, and that sort of just helps with everything, you know, the popularity of it. It gets in the main, you know, the mainstream media a lot more over here. And, um, you know, they probably celebrate their champions a lot better over here than they do in New Zealand. But, um, you know, things are starting to probably improve a bit in New Zealand. Um, obviously, I've been away for four or five years now, but... Um, 
from the outside looking in, it looks like it's it's starting to improve. But um, you know, it's always going to be hard to compete with Australia when they're they're running for the prize money. They do. Um, you know, you only got to look at you know, sort of maidens on a on a low level day. They're still running for twenty five thousand. Where you know they're struggling to run for that, and on a sad day in New Zealand. So um, it's it, you know it's always going to be very hard for Australia to, New Zealand to compete with Australia. But um, you know the mentality just needs to probably change in New Zealand and, and it'd be accepted as part of culture and like it here, like it is here in Australia. I think you're right. I think it is starting to change. I feel like there's been a kind of a groundswell of positivity and and that culture change in the last couple of years. So I think you're right on your observation there, Brad. I'll let you get back to it. It's a busy morning over there, no doubt, and a busy weekend. Thanks for your time this morning doing great things, and we'll catch up again soon on SENZ, eh? All good, Louis. Thanks for the chat. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.